everybody and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with my buddy Dominic Demeester. We got a jam-packed show this week uh, as per usual, but Dominic, I was quite anxious to the show because I feel like we got a lot more stuff to talk about this week. Uh, it's going to be tough to squeeze it all in in just less than an hour. So getting public, start the show right off, uh, right away. But first, as always, I want to know how you're doing, Dom. I'm doing amazing, William. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you very much. The sun's out. We're talking football. So let's get started. Actually, we'll start with some basketball here. Uh, unfortunately, NBA legend Bill Russell has passed away at the age of 88 uh, early during this week. 11-time NBA champion, Dominic. It's truly, truly remarkable. Every time I hear that sad, it blows my mind away. Uh, but Bill Russell, longtime Boston Celtic, uh, unfortunately, has passed away at the age of 88. Obviously, uh, an, an absolute uh, all-time great when talking about the NBA. Definitely will be missed, not forgotten. Uh, thoughts and prayers definitely with uh, his family. But uh, Bill Russell definitely leaves a, a wonderful legacy behind. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and how incredible he was as, as a man in his career in the NBA. Amazing player, really sad, gone far too soon, but leaves behind a legacy like no other. I'm sure Boston Celtic fans are mourning today, but let them remember the great Bill Russell and what he did for the city of Boston. Spot on, Dominic. All right, there. So that's a little bit of basketball for today. Let's jump to some NFL, Dominic. That's what we specialize here. DK Metcalf, three years, $72 million contract. He signs with his Seattle Seahawks. A record of $30 million, Dominic, in a potential bonus. Uh, the most ever in NFL history. A lot was talked about DK Metcalf, right? Will he be traded? Uh, what's happening? Seattle's going to look a lot different here. It's a lot of money, Dominic, and I'm curious to get your opinion because I know you have uh, thoughts and um, on DK Metcalf as a receiver. This guy's a stud. I really like DK Metcalf. He really is the freak of nature. Um, and yeah, I think that like it just shows how valuable the Seahawks find him um, for this team, right? You know, getting $30 million just in or potential $30 million in bonus. Uh, like I just mentioned, the most uh, in NFL history, three-year deal done. It's a lot of money, Dominic. I just think that Seattle Seahawks fans, Seattle like ownership, DK Metcalf himself, they're just happy this is over with uh, to focus on the new season now. You know, they want to prove to teams that, like, just because Russell Wilson left, we ain't done yet. We still got, uh, you know, our, our good group of players and, and some core members. Also, we'll talk about a little later on, Carson, uh, Chris Carson retiring uh, from the NFL there. So big news coming out of Seattle, Dominic. First, let's talk about DK Metcalf and that big contract uh, to stay with the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf. I love this signing. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to make Seattle happy. Those fans out there are sad seeing Russell Wilson walk out the door. They were not going to let DK Metcalf walk out that door. That's for sure. I know it's a lot of money, but you got to create some excitement for that franchise. I like that it's only three years as well. I, to me, it gives us the opportunity to see, like, is this guy a bust? I don't think he's going to be a bust. I really do think that this guy is going to become a great wide receiver, but I want to see him more focused. Last, mm -hmm. last year, week one, showing up with blue hair, I mean, to me, he didn't look serious. He looked like a guy out there and just was kind of like hoping he was going to have this breakout year. Boy, did it not turn out in his favor. Now he's going to have to start the season with either Drew Luck or Geno Smith. And like I said last week, why not Geno Smith? Signs are pointing that he might actually be the week one quarterback. I trust Pete Carroll. I trust the signing. I think they absolutely needed this guy on this roster. Now he needs to be the MVP and carry Seattle to the playoff, if that's even possible. I love this signing as well, Dominic, for the Seattle Seahawks. And one thing that you said that, you know, clicked right away with me is you want to keep superstars on your team and keep the Seattle Seahawks franchise relevant. You don't want to lose DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson in the same off season. And you're coming into next season with Tyler Lockett. Don't get me wrong. Who's not a, obviously a bad receiver, but with him being kind of like that one lone star on the team, uh, and oftentimes I, I really believe in the NFL and in sports, you need to keep guys for that particular reason to keep your team relevant, to keep your fans happy. Uh, and especially in that division, Dominic, you're not going to be able to win uh games never let alone the division if you're without russell wilson and dk metcalf uh to come into this season look 
I think the pressure's on DK right now. I'm happy he got his money, and I think that uh, he definitely does deserve it in terms of his potential. Like you said, he hasn't necessarily broken open yet. We've seen, you know, we've seen kind of those, um, you know, times where he's blown up and 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 criticized, maybe not publicly there, but where he seemed not happy with his role with the Seattle Seahawks, whether that was him not getting targeted enough by Russell Wilson. And, you know, people thought instantaneously this was going to be a match made in heaven between Wilson and DK Metcalf, and it wasn't, right? Maybe Russell Wilson was a little more comfortable throwing to Tyler Lockett in key situations because he had thrown to him um, from the start of his career. Let's not forget, DK Metcalf hasn't been in the NFL for that long, uh, but he does have pressure on him now, and he really needs to step it up. It's going to be tough to put up bigger numbers than last year just because Wilson isn't there. Uh, but look, whether it's Drew Locke or whether I can't believe I'm saying it, Geno Smith, he's going to have to produce for these guys. And that may not necessarily be a playoff spot this year uh, with a new quarterback and stuff, but he's signing a three-year deal. Um, and I think, you know, whether it's second year or his third year, he's going to have to put the team on his back um, with the help of obviously Tyler Lockett. And, you know, you talked about Pete Carroll and that system and that defense uh, to make some noise because, um, you know, he's, he's really, like we talk about Dominic, that freak of nature. And he was probably the most sought out wide receiver or talked about wide receiver when he was coming uh, out of college into the draft just because of his physique, uh, the way he high points the ball. And because we haven't seen a wide receiver like him in a long time. And don't forget the comparisons, Dominic, right? DK Metcalf was being, com being compared to Megatron. Megatron, who was one of my favorite wide receivers of all time. So uh, talk about pressure, Dominic. Like, look, he got his money. Pressure's on. I'm happy he got it. I think he will step up to the plate but this is going to be a big next two years for the Seattle Seahawks but specifically DK Metcalf 100% William like I said Pete Carroll he knows what he's doing he's got himself a really good chess piece in DK Metcalf but if I'm Pete Carroll all I'm doing all year is I'm running the ball I'm running the ball with Rashad Penny and I'm running the ball with Kenneth Walker the third let Geno Smith or Drew Luck be a game manager and let DK Metcalf shine off the play action and in the red zone well Dominic talk about the running back we could bounce around a little bit uh, come back to maybe DK Metcalf talking about those running backs in Seattle Chris Carson um, has decided to retire from the NFL uh, because of his issues with his, his neck injuries. Dominic has been battling that since he came into the league. Only 27 years of age. Uh, kind of sad to see. Of course, you understand that, look, at the end of the day, health is number one. Um, and, uh, you know, he decided that it, it's unfortunately just been too much for him. So, of course, it's going to be sad to not see him on the football field. But you got to remember these guys are humans. You know, we like to talk about them uh, as only football players. But they got a family off the field. They got friends. Uh, they got to look after themselves. And yeah, he's deciding to, to hang up his cleats at the age of 27. Uh, you know, always sad when you see a guy retiring that young, especially due to, to injury concerns, um, which could make it a little bit more difficult to run the ball now in Seattle. Uh, like you just mentioned, Dominic, you think this team should be able to uh, or should bank on running the football. And they have been a running football team uh, over the past few seasons. But I think it will be a little bit difficult to do so uh, at a high level now with Chris Carson out, who was really that... There wasn't really a running back one in Seattle, uh, but if you had to pick one, it probably would be him. And uh, yeah, like I said, Dominic, just earlier in the week deciding that uh, he's going to retire from the NFL. Yeah, really sad to see Chris Carson go. I, I think that he knows what he's doing. Obviously, his body is run down. Unfortunately for him, a lot of running backs have a short shelf life, and yeah. his clearly wasn't any different. We'll miss Chris Carson, but... There are some great bright players at the running back position in Seattle. And my eye is on Kenneth Walker, the third. Kenneth Walker, the third, if I'm not mistaken, Michigan state. Exactly. He is okay. from Michigan state probably got almost 300 carries last year. He yes. was just a beast. And I honestly think that this guy is a running machine. Granted, we don't want the same thing happening to Kenneth Walker that happened to Chris Carson. Mm -hmm. But again, in the NFL, from day one, they want you to produce. So why not give the ball minimum 15 times a game to Kenneth Walker the third? All right, got to wait and see about that, Dominic. Let's quickly wrap, wrap up on those Seattle Seahawks. We talk about high ceiling, low ceiling. Realistically, Dominic, what is the best case scenario for the Seattle Seahawks this year? Do you see winning the division, simply making the playoffs with the roster they have, being competitive in games? What do you think would be the limit for this team realistically coming into this season? They could make the playoffs. I mm. honestly think they could, but it's going to take 
Houdini type coaching. In other words, you're going to have to see some magic, some really creative play calling from Pete Carroll. And to me, it starts with coaching. So that's why the sky's the limit always in Seattle, as long as you have a great coach and they have a great one in Pete Carroll. I'm going to say they're a bubble playoff team and Mm -hmm. they won't make the playoffs. I'm going to agree with you there, Dominic. I think realistically the ceiling for them will be making the playoffs. I, I cannot see them making a run at the division uh, with, with you know how competitive that division is going to be this year. I think making the playoffs, Dominic, would be a, a huge success for this team, uh, considering with the pieces uh, or the main piece, obviously, they lost in Russell Wilson. We talk about DK Metcalf, Dominic, at the wide receiver position, getting the deal. Not the only wide receiver that gets a deal done over this last week. Julio Jones or signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a one-year, $6 million contract. This just seems like a typical Tom Brady slash Patriots slash Buck signing. Getting a guy who people think is washed, that's past his prime. Um, I still think Julio Jones has football left him, Dominic. I've been seeing it since the beginning of the offseason. I think Tennessee uh, made a mistake in letting him go. Signing him to one year, only $6 million, Dominic. I absolutely love this signing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's not too many signings I talk about that I don't like, but this is really not just one of them where I'm saying I like for the sake of saying I like it. I I, I think it's a perfect fit. I really do. Uh, I think you got Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Obviously, Gronk is not back. What's going to happen to the younger players now when you talk about uh, the youngsters there uh, in Tampa Bay? I don't think they're worried about that now in developing their youngsters. I think they're putting Tom Brady in position to win another Super Bowl, and it's potentially his last run. So they're making everything they can for this team to win the Super Bowl in 2022, not necessarily worrying about the future and developing guys like Scotty Miller. Uh, I was upset when I heard this signing, obviously, because, you know, I'm not really a Tom Brady fan, and I was hoping uh, Julio Jones would be reunited with the Colts. I thought that would be a cool signing. But Tampa Bay, Dominic, keeps getting stronger. I think this is going to be a signing that helps Tampa Bay in the long run. The rich get richer. 100% agree with you that this signing is amazing for Tampa Bay. However, just like they had a great signing, they happened to lose, in my opinion, their most important player, their center. To me, it's going to be a disaster for Tom Brady to start the season. And he's going to have to turn this team on a dime quickly. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do this. I know Julio Jones and that offense is going to be beautiful, but will Tom Brady be able to stay healthy this season? This guy is remarkable. A lot of people think he's the GOAT, but this injury is so significant. Unless they have a really good plan in getting either our young rookie running back, Rashad White, or Keyshawn Vaughn, or maybe even Giovanni Bernard in the passing game. The reason why I say these guys is that Tom Brady is going to be under siege all year. He's going to need to be able to do the dump off. And he was able to. Don't get me wrong. He was able to. But now it's, it's going to have to be quicker. So, you know, bringing in Julio Jones, who's a veteran, it's nice and dandy. But my focus right now is on that offensive line and the huge blow that they just received losing their center most likely for the season. Yeah, right. For those who didn't hear, Ryan Jensen, center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, feared to have season, uh, season-ending season injury, uh, a knee injury there. Always tough when you see that before the season starts. He's going to miss at least a few months uh, from the reports that I read, Dominic. It looks like he'll be out for the season, uh, you know, praying obviously that doesn't happen and he's able to come back hopefully uh, midway in the season for them. And, it, you know, look, it's, it's a good point, Dominic. O-line is a position that's super important. We talk about on the show it being a team sport and every level on offense and on defense needs to step up for, for a team in order for them to be successful. We've seen in the Super Bowl, we're speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when you remember when Patrick Mahomes was running for his life in that Super Bowl game, he had Tyreek Hill on the team. He had uh, Travis Kelsey on the team. Obviously, Pat Mahomes, one of the best players in football at the time and still is, and he was running for his life, and they just couldn't produce on the offensive side of the ball in that Super Bowl game against Tampa Bay. So you just look at a situation like that, and you fear that could be potentially what happens now in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Luckily for them, that division is not that strong. Yeah. The wild card, we've discussed it. A lot of people think it's New Orleans. 
Some people think it might be Carolina, and I don't think anybody's got Atlanta. So, you know, you might lose your center. You might squeak in, you know, the playoffs by winning your division. But I'm scared. I really think this is a horrible injury. I don't think Tom Brady's going to be able to be that great this year. And it's really hard for me to say because I got Tom Brady in my fantasy football league. And, you know, I want to see him succeed. But this could not have been the worst injury for this Tampa Bay franchise. Yeah, tough, obviously, when you're talking about O-line, especially the center position that, uh, you know, Tom Brady is about the connection with, that both players touch the ball every snap. Uh, Julio Jones, Dominic, you know, I'm, I'm just to relate it back on that. In my, I, I just find it strange or hard to believe that Julio Jones went this long without an NFL team signing him. And I know, like, you, you're waiting till injuries happen. Some teams were maybe potentially waiting to see what happens at the wider, the wider receiver position on their team. Uh, but it's, like... Yeah, I just, I'm surprised he, we know teams waited this long to pick him up. Um, and I think this is a, is a great signing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder now, Dominic. You know, like he wants that Super Bowl ring. He really deserves that Super Bowl ring. Think about the last time or the only time he was in the Super Bowl, that devastating loss to <laughs> Tom Brady, who we just talked about, who's now going to be throwing touchdown passes to him. I wonder how weird that's going to feel. But you got to think for Julio Jones now, Dominic. He's going to be trying extra hard. He has legitimate chance now to win a Super Bowl with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. He does. I mean, why not win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and both go off into the sunset and retire? Great story. It is very possible that this can happen. They're going to have to play lights out football as a team. I, I want to see Mike Evans, you know, opposite Julio and Chris Godwin at one point is going to come in there and be maybe the go-to slot receiver. And this might be fireworks. I was a big fan of Antonio Brown. So between Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, I don't think there's much of a drop-off. You have to admit, with Antonio Brown, maybe they would have won the Super Bowl. So I'm not 100% convinced as much as I was last year with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise. I think Tom Brady's going to have to prove to me. I mean, prove to me. He's already proven to the entire world how good he is. Mm -hmm. But I'm still thinking a lot of people out there see this Tampa Bay franchise and a signing like Julio makes a lot of people believe that this is going to put them over the top. The NFC is not strong. They have a chance. But again, we'll have to wait to see whether that offensive line injury really stalls the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. And a team like maybe New Orleans, who has Tampa Bay's number, manages somehow to claw their way as the number one franchise in the NFC South. Yeah, uh, it's uh, for sure, Dominic. I think that we could all agree that Tampa Bay will be the favorites to win that division. Um, and the team that comes in second potentially grab that wild card spot. Uh, I, I've never, you know, I, as long as I've been a football fan, it's uh, I don't think I've ever seen the AFC this strong uh, or th that significantly stronger in comparison to the NFC. Uh, you know, we talk about Ryan Jensen, Dominic, and his injuries. Unfortunately, we got to kind of, uh, you know, keep, keep tabs of the injuries around the NFL. Chase Young right now, Dominic, just a few names I'm throwing out there, uh, out at least the season opener for the Washington Commanders. Jamal Adams injury, not 100% sure what's going to happen there. Uh, seems to have a broken finger and uh, he'll be ba playing with it bandaged up. Not sure how much time he will be missing if he will be. Then you got Titans, you know, newest wide receiver, Robert Woods, coming back from an ACL injury. I know that you really like him, Dominic, and you feel like the Tennessee Titans uh, can produce with him, get victories with him, and, you know, he could uh, potentially be that wide receiver one now for this squad with Julio Jones gone and A.J. Brown gone. But uh, quite a few injury uh, concerns already, Dominic, uh, that from last season coming into this season that we're looking forward to and uh, keeping a big eye on because these are not, uh, you know, guys that uh, are just speaking by the roster. These are guys that are going to make significant impact uh, for each and every one of their teams. Yeah, that Chase Young injury is a huge one for those Washington Commanders. Still training camp, still preseason, but the offense is not clicking currently in Washington from what I'm reading. Yes, we've heard some great stories about Johan Dotson, but Johan Dotson's not going to make the Washington Commanders into this dynamite of a team all the way to the Super Bowl. However, a guy like Chase Young, if you lean on your defense, could be an MVP for those Washington Commanders. And without him, that just changes the entire dynamic of that defense. I was really, really shocked that he was not going to be ready week one, and which just puts a lot more pressure on Ron Rivera, 
Jack Del Rio, and the entire, if we're honest, the entire Commanders franchise from top to bottom. Yeah. This whole franchise has been in the news for the wrong reasons. We've said that all summer long. Now, not having your, in my opinion, your best player in Chase Young, not available week one for this franchise. I'm really worried for the Washington Commanders. So the good news is for the Washington Commanders is their first game of the season is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their second game of the season is against the Detroit Lions. So maybe that's incentive, Dominic, to not have to rush him back. You feel like they could start off the season 2-0 uh, without Chase Young. Do you think that plays any factor, Dominic, that the first two games of the season are quote-unquote winnable? Obviously, uh, any given Sunday we see uh, different teams winning. So don't be surprised if Jacksonville and Detroit wins those games. But you got to figure Washington to come into both those games as favorites. Uh, do you think that, you know, plays in the back of their mind of, like you said, the commanders, coaching staff, the management, uh, or do you think the second that he's somewhat available, Chase Young is, that they throw him onto the football field? Oh, you bring up a really good point, uh, William. That's exactly what I think is happening. They're looking at the schedule. They're like, ah, we got these two first games of the season. Mm -hmm. But we all know it only takes one loss, and you might not be making the playoffs. Yeah. Every single game counts on that NFL schedule. And I would not sleep on the Detroit Lions this year. They're the ultimate wild card out of probably the entire NFL. Houston's close, but I don't have as much high hopes for Houston that I do for Detroit. Detroit are putting together a great team from top to bottom. And I know it starts with the quarterback position and Jared Goff, but he's a really good quarterback during the season. Hasn't impressed in the playoffs, kind of a choker. But during the season, we've seen uh, Jared Goff really produce. And now with all the weapons that they've added, and eventually Jamison Williams will be playing at one point or another for that Detroit franchise. Might not be week two, but again, don't sleep on those Detroit Lions. Dominic, you read my mind. I had literally just wrote in my written in my notes just before you said that I want to talk about the Detroit Lions and the hype they're getting in the offseason. There's been hype around the Detroit Lions, Dominic. I, who would have known that right now in 2022, uh, with the Detroit Lions not being relevant in the past who knows how long, uh, that there would be some excitement heading into this season uh, for Detroit. Look, Dominic, you look at this division. The Green Bay Packers have really dominated, controlled this division for the last little while. They lose one of their star players in Devontae Adams. I had talked about... The Green Bay Packers not winning the division this year. That was kind of one of my quote-unquote bold takes and maybe even them not making the playoffs. You know, like you got to go bold sometimes, so I'm going to stick with that. My guess is if the Packers don't win, it'll be the Minnesota Vikings. They seem to be the most complete team in that division. I think even if you include Green Bay right now, I'd have to say the quarterback position is obviously a complete upgrade there in Green Bay to what Minnesota has in Kirk Cousins. But I do believe that, you know, Looking at the complete roster, I like what Minnesota has, but maybe these Detroit Lions can surprise a few people, Dominic, uh, and sneak into that playoff conversation. Uh, like you said, Dominic, they added you, a few times on the show, they added DJ Chark. Uh, they got Jamison Williams uh, as a rookie, uh, who <laughs> some suspect that he wasn't too happy to be playing uh, to be playing for the Detroit Lions, but they're going to have Dondre Swift, uh, who I really like and who's really been coming out of his shell. Jeff Okuda, uh, hopefully going to be coming back from the injury, who's just like hasn't played in the NFL, but a lot of hype coming out of Ohio state there. And then Jared Goff is Jared Goff, right? Dominic, not a great quarterback, maybe a bit of a little bit below average, but we've seen him have those games. Um, and look, maybe all this Detroit Lions hype isn't all that crazy because there always is that one team that surprises people throughout the season. And maybe this year it'll happen to be those Detroit Lions. You're hundred percent right. William, this division's up for grabs. And I say that because I still don't believe the Green Bay Packers has solved their problem at wide receiver. Yes, I know that they drafted Christian Watson. They might have a gem in Romeo Dobbs. He seems to be right now stealing the show during training camp. So keep an eye on Romeo Dobbs. But if this guy's going to be your number one receiver, you know, we got problems in, in Green Bay. And then when we move down the line, you got the Chicago Bears. It's going to be basically the Justin Fields show all year round if he gets injured you know this team's going to go down the, the tank for sure then you have the last team as you said the minnesota vikings a lot of hype coming into the season for the minnesota vikings kevin o'connell bringing in the air raid to really change this entire dynamic in the offense so much so that this team really was 
Dalvin Cook's team in a way, because Dalvin Cook's been doing a phenomenal job when he's healthy, leading those Vikings to a lot of victories in the running game. And yes, they do have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. But again, if Kirk Cousins isn't, uh, you know, you never know what to expect with Kirk Cousins is what I'm getting at. So the weakness here is going to be Kevin O'Connell. Coming into the NFL as a head coach is going to be a learning curve. How many victories does it take to win this division is my number one question to you, William. And can Detroit match that? And if they do match it, can they actually beat Minnesota in that head-to-head matchup to oversee Minnesota and potentially win the division? That's about the only way that I see Detroit really making this kind of like stand in the NFC North is they finish the season tied with the same record with someone like Minnesota, and then maybe the tiebreaker, you know, the head-to-head and winning that. What are your thoughts on that? How many teams or how many victories is it going to take to win this division? And does Detroit really have a chance to kind of like compete with Minnesota and Green Bay in this division? I love the questions, Dominic. To answer your first question, wins, I'm going to say in a 17-game season, I'm going to say 10 wins could potentially be enough to win the division, Dominic, at 10 and 7. And I know it's crazy because there's some teams that go 10 and 7 that don't even get a wild card spot. But I could see 10 wins being enough to ultimately win this division. And I am not a believer in this new Green Bay Packers offense. uh, And I've been saying that for a while, even before uh, Devontae Adams decided to take his talents to the Raiders. You look at this Packers offense, Dominic, the water receiver position. You got Alan Lazard. That seems to be getting praise in uh, in training camp. You got Randall Cobb. You got Sammy Watkins. Okay, these are guys that could all play good for a game or two consistently is a different story. I'm not sure uh, on this roster right now, I don't see a wide receiver run. Uh, but look, when you got Aaron Rodgers, you always have a chance. So I could see be 10, 10 wins being enough uh, to win this division. Unfortunately for the Lions, I just think realistically, it's a little bit too early um, for us to start talking about them potentially winning the division. I don't think they have what it takes. I could see them, like, for me, their ceiling is finishing the season at 8-9. and nine. And I know ultimately that is a losing record, but considering how the Lions have done in the past few seasons, I'd say eight and nine could be potentially a win uh, for them. And obviously I don't see an eight and nine team winning their division. So I can see the the Detroit Lions making the gap uh, much closer than it used to be between uh, them and either the Packers or the Vikings. I think that the Lions will have a better record than the Chicago Bears. Um, So, I mean, that's one thing there to not come last in the division. But I I just think that we're going to need to see a little bit more from this roster and a little bit more consistency from Jared Goff in order for the Lions to have a realistic shot at actually winning the uh, this division. I'm perplexed. I really am perplexed. And I say that because I don't know who's going to win this division. And I could yeah. s- certainly see the Detroit Lions win the division. Common sense tells me that the Green Bay Packers are going to definitely win this division. But this year is going to be different. Just Aaron Rodgers coming in, training camp, looking like the guy from Con Air. Just <laughs> It's very bizarre-like for, for Aaron Rodgers to play up. Maybe he's, I don't know what he's doing, but to show up in like, you know, like white tank top and just have the hair slicked back, maybe it's with his personality. Maybe I'm, I'm looking too much into it, but this division is wide open. And a team like Detroit could, and I say could, really shock the NFL because I love these pieces. I love DJ Chark. If Jamison Williams comes in sooner than expected, look out. Amon Ray St. Brown really shocked the NFL last year, and he did end up taking people's jobs. He's going to be starting probably opposite DJ Chark week one. And we have to talk about Bacchuson. I think this guy gets no love in the NFL, and he's a really darn good tight end. So right there on the offense, add in DeAndre Swift, which I kind of see him as a hybrid running back catching more balls in the backfield. I see him more as a catcher than an actually strong running back. You need to have Jamal Williams spelling DeAndre Swift all year because Jamal Williams to me is your goal line back. And when I look at this defense, what is the ceiling for Aiden Hutchinson? Because if you can have a guy breaking out in his rookie season and getting to the quarterback consistently, that could be Aiden Hutchinson for the Detroit Lions. And a guy, all he needs to do is stay on the football field is Jeff Akuda, 
You yeah. talked about him earlier. If this guy can stay healthy, he was a high draft pick. He's a really, really strong DB. I think he can be the beneficiary of Aiden Hutchinson's pressure. And maybe potentially this Detroit Lions defense can start rising and giving some extra confidence to that offense. And then suddenly, who wins the division? The Detroit Lions. I could see it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just don't know who's going to win that division. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dominic, it, it does sound crazy, but maybe it isn't all that crazy. Because uh, I would have to agree that the Green Bay Packers, then you said it well, common sense rationale tells you, okay, it's going to be Green Bay Packers because they're the Green Bay Packers, right? But but this roster that they have this year, it is not as good as the roster we've seen in the past. And Minnesota, look, they do have the talent, but at the end of the day, it, it always comes down to your quarterback. I've said it even more so when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. And ultimately, do you trust Kirk Cousins? Some people say yes and will say no, I don't. Uh, I just... Uh, I find him a quarterback that, like, he could win you some games. Uh, he just can't do it consistently. He's not a guy that's going to put on his team back and win you many games and, and drag your team to the playoffs, unfortunately, for what we've seen uh, in, in his career so far. Um, I got a so quick look, question for you. Yeah. Who would you rather, Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins? <sighs> that's a great question. Oh, man. Uh, after giving all that talking down to Kirk Cousins, I'm still going to have to contract myself and say Kirk Cousins. Uh, because, I thought you would. I thought you would. Yeah, and you know why, Dominic? Because I, I think that one way these guys are very relatable is their inconsistencies. But I think that when Goff has a bad game, it's horrendous. And when Kirk Cousins had a bad, bad game, it's it's bad. But when, when, when Goff has a bad game, it's as if, like, that you could put me or you throwing with our left hand in, in this spot and we do a better job. Like when Goff is off, he looks like an actual deer in headlights that he should be playing T-ball, uh, you know, in, in peewee because he does not look like a football player. And even Kirk Cousins too, there's times where he, he looks completely out of it, but he, I just find his bad games aren't nearly as bad as Jared Goff's games, Dominic. So, for, and, and I feel like the, the upside if we're talking about upset, I could see Jared Goff having a little bit more upside than Kirk Cousins. But um, if we're looking at consistency and, and just numbers, Dominic, Kirk Cousins, as weird as it sounds, hasn't had those that poor stats over the last few seasons. He just hasn't been able to bring Minnesota to where we know Minnesota can go. We know this team can make the playoffs. We know they can make some noise, but they haven't been. But statistic-wise, Kirk Cousins hasn't actually been all that, but he's actually been pretty good, as weird as it sounds. Yeah, I don't know who to take. I think they're both terrible quarterbacks. <laughs> they're both guys that would be amazing backup quarterbacks. But if I had to pick one, I'll reluctantly have to agree with you mm-hmm. with Kirk Cousins, especially coming in this season. If it's going to be an air raid, I think that Minnesota has the opportunity to do something really special. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough between, to, to pick between both. I would stick with Kirk Cousins. Let's not forget, Dominic, Kirk Cousins is 33 years of age in comparison to Jared Goff's 27. Jared Goff obviously was taken uh, very, very early in that uh, the draft uh, when he got taken by those those Rams. So, look, there, there's obviously reasons he was taken where he was, Jared Goff was, but it, it's about producing to the NFL now, right? And it's crazy to think that we're talking about Jared Goff has got good backup when he took his team to the Super Bowl. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like that was a year ago or two years ago now, but still, he took that team to the Super Bowl. They had a legitimate chance and he put up three games. That's one of the things I'm talking about with Jared Goff is he looked atrocious in that Super Bowl. And unfortunately, we've seen that too many times from him. And what am I saying? Never mind being picked early. He was the number one overall pick in that 2016 draft uh, was Jared Goff. So hopefully the Lions are able to tap into a little bit of that. I just remember, Dominic, as our show airs, it is Thursday, August 4th, and I believe the Hall of Fame game will be tonight. So NFL preseason actually starts today as you hear our voices. I'm going to double check that right now, Dominic. Uh, But how crazy is that? That's amazing. (laughs) We just went through the entire draft, had a lot of weeks to analyze what happened, had a few pickups in free agency here and there, and now preseason is already starting. It's quick. It's happening. It's now. It's the NFL, and I can't wait.
Hey, love it, Dominic. Love the energy there. I was correct, Dominic. The Jaguars are playing the Las Vegas Raiders tonight, Thursday, August 4th, in the first preseason game. It will consider the Hall of Fame game. But, man, crazy to think that football is already back. I'm excited. Uh, so let's continue that excitement and talk towards that is not a good segment at all because I want to talk about Ryan Kerrigan retiring from the NFL uh, but something to be excited for, Dominic, um, is that potentially they have uh, what could be the replacement for Kerrigan. Uh, we just talked about before uh, in uh, for the for the Washington Commanders in Chase Young. Obviously, the hope is that he will be better than uh, Kerrigan. But I really feel like Ryan Kerrigan, Dominic, over his career, which was un quite underrated, uh, played for in 11 seasons in the NFL, was Washington's all-time sack leader. And I think it's hard to think of this Washington team in general over the last decade or so and not think about a guy like Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah, I'm not a huge Ryan Kerrigan fan. Really, never, eh? Never really was a, a massive Ryan Kerrigan fan. But the people of Washington definitely know who he is. They know what he brought to the table. Obviously, when you're leading your franchise in socks, to me, you're doing something right. But it was kind of like, you know, too quick of a career. It seemed yeah. like this started and it ended quick. I don't think this guy's a Hall of Famer, but I know that a lot of people in Washington did enjoy him play. Enjoy the, the limelight. I'm sure that you'll have a great vacation. And whatever comes next, good luck to you, Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah, only 33 years of age. Uh, I Really another sad situation there. Uh, I don't think the details have been released as to why he's retiring. you got to think it's injury concerns. Uh, but definitely, uh, you got to think an, an all-time great there uh, for the Washington Commanders. So, Dominic, we just talked about this Detroit Lions. You know, a team that didn't do so well last year, hasn't done well for a while, that could potentially make noise uh, in that division. Is there, you know, we talk about, like, teams um, – Excuse me, that can come out of the woodworks and surprise some people. There's, we talk about that, but it's a, where we talk about, you know, maybe a team that could potentially slip. We did a, on the few, uh, a few weeks ago on our show with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, well, at least my pick was the Tennessee Titans that, you know, people I think are overhyping a little bit. Uh, are there teams that you think that were, people say they have Super Bowl contention this year and you feel like, you know, we kind of got to like, whoa, whoa, step back a little bit. It's a little bit too soon or this team is a little bit uh, too past this prime when you think about them. I know, like I just said, my answer was Tennessee. Obviously, a lot of it's going to depend on Robert Woods and, and when he's able to come back from that ACL injury. So for now, I'm going to stick with those Tennessee Titans. Uh, but when I when that comes to mind, Dominic, what's the first team that pops into your mind that, you know, you know, we got to slow down a bit, folks. We've been talking about this team too, too much, and they could be good, but maybe not a Super Bowl threat that uh, people are hoping them to be. I'm going to point out to the Denver Broncos. Okay. We talked about Denver maybe about a month ago. Yeah. And I think the biggest bus signing of the offseason will be Russell Wilson. Wow. I know it's a, it's a bold take. Yeah. I stick with that only because I do believe that he was a product of the Seattle scheme led by Pete Carroll. Granted, you have to have the ability to memorize the play, and Russell Wilson clearly has a good head on his shoulders, and he knows how to memorize those plays because the combination that he had with Tyler Lockett, bar none, was probably one of the best in the NFL to create plays out of nowhere. It was beautiful yeah. to watch, but I think it was all scheme-related. Nathaniel Hackett is not able to fill Pete Carroll's shoes whatsoever. So I think that we're going to see Russell Wilson coming into a new franchise, struggle and struggle early. The combination between Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, or Jerry Judy doesn't scare me whatsoever. And when you have old Melvin Gordon, who, don't get me wrong, he's not a bad running back, and Javante Williams, these guys, you know, yes, they're going to have an odd game here and there that they can produce, but it's not consistent. And on the defensive front, nobody scares me in this defense. I like the fact that they brought in Randy Gregory. That could maybe do something. And I do like the pickup they had last year in Pat Sertain the second. Those are your key cogs, in my personal opinion, in that defense. And the defense, as usual in Denver, is going to have to step up and step up big to give Russell Wilson a lot of opportunities to produce because you're going to see a lot of three and outs in Denver this year. 
And is that something that's going to be able to contend with the Chargers mm-hmm. or the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. and maybe even the Raiders? Now, mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels being head coach and obviously Devontae Adams, a huge signing for the Raiders. Denver's going to struggle. Denver's going to struggle. And Russell Wilson will be, unfortunately, the guy that's going to take all the blame. And to me, it's because you need a head coach. Nathaniel Hackett, prove me wrong. Bring this team to the playoffs. But I doubt it. Okay, Doug, I'm going to put you on the spot. Where do you think the Broncos finish in the AFC West? Dead last. Really? Dead last. Wow, because I, I, I just I did it quickly here, and I think I'll stick to it. I have them coming in third. I think, wow, I, I still think they're going to finish better than the Raiders. Um, I, I, I would go Kansas City one, Chargers two, Broncos three, Raiders four. Um, let's stick with that quickly. Uh, so you have Denver coming in last. Would you have the Raiders coming in first, second, or third? Third. And winning the division would be Kansas City. Okay, fair. Uh, so very similar to mine, except we kind of switched the the Broncos and the Raiders there. You talked about Denver and the wide receiver position. Something that that I've liked with this Broncos team is the young wide receivers they have. And unfortunately, Dominic, they just can't stay healthy. So I have to politely disagree with you. I like the trio of wide receivers of KJ Hamlin, Hamler, excuse me, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy. If these guys can be anything of what we know they can be and they could stay healthy and all three of them could be on the football field for 10 plus games for this football team with Russell Wilson. I could see them being dangerous. I really like KJ Hamler coming out of Penn state and the, the speed he had, you know, Jerry Judy is Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, man, he had that, that breakout year uh, when he was that really that number one receiver with the Denver Broncos. So honestly, I actually really like this, this wide receiver core uh, that the Broncos have, but it, obviously Dominic in football it's and in sports in general, but specifically football is, is injuries, right? Your best ability is availability. And it's, it's incredible how like these three receivers have all dealt with the injury bug uh kind of sad to see but uh i i could just see like my gut is telling me dominic and there's a fire in me that just sees this team and could see them being something special if all three of them are on the football field do you disagree with that or do you kind of think that this trio of wide receivers won't stay healthy to be on the field the three of them at the same time or do you feel that maybe these guys are being a little bit overhyped um and they're still lacking a little bit of the nfl experience it's to me you're absolutely right the fact that they weren't healthy i'll give you that mm-hmm. if they can stay healthy and they can prove me wrong let's see it happen mm-hmm. one guy that needs to be a superstar or even either of these guys has to be i'm thinking more jerry judy because yeah, the I'd reason agree. why i say jerry judy the things that i saw from his college football tape were mind-boggling i was like wow this guy's gonna be quite something his ability to juke was bar none something really special that I hadn't seen. But I wasn't sure if you were able to use that type of like playmaking ability in the NFL. And right now, I haven't really seen Jerry Judy do what he did in college football in the NFL. Cortland Sutton, on the other hand, can be a really effective wide receiver if he manages to be productive in the red zone. And that's where Russell Wilson will have to be the guy to feed the ball to Cortland Sutton in that red zone. I just don't see it happening. I see this offense stalling and stalling a lot mm-hmm. because the running game is kind of confusing. You're bringing Javante Williams some downs. Some downs you're bringing in Melvin Gordon. I'm all about a one running back mentality for a football team. One running back to set up the show for Russell Wilson to thrive. Granted, Russell Wilson can run with the ball, can throw with the ball, and it could be the entire Russell Wilson show. And he yeah. could be the MVP and make me look like a fool. But I'm telling you, when you're walking into a franchise and the amount of pressure this guy's going to have for what the Denver Broncos gave up, I don't see him succeeding year one. It doesn't mean he's not going to be able to succeed year two. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett gets fired and they bring in an experienced head coach to take over to gel with Russell Wilson. But this year, the Denver Broncos will be a stinker and finish dead last in the division. I would say that the Denver Broncos are under quite a bit of pressure and specifically Russell Wilson um, because this team's Super Bowl odds 
went through the roof uh, after he signed with those Broncos. Um, and look, obviously you've got to acknowledge. Script, sorry to cut you off. Really quick. Yeah. We've seen this script before. We've yes. seen it. We've seen it with Peyton Manning. Yes, he did win one Super Bowl. I mean, barely. He just won. After that, they brought in Joe Flacco. Well, obviously right. that was a big bust. Now they're trying to do it again with Russell Wilson. I don't like this recipe. When are you going to draft a good quarterback and develop him? You seem to be kind of like skimming off all the rundown quarterbacks that are needing a second chance. And you got lucky with a Hall of Famer and Peyton Manning. And yes, Russell Wilson probably will be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. But let's just say he were to tank the rest of his career for Russell Wilson. I don't know. I've never been a big Russell Wilson fan. I never have been. And he still needs to prove it to me. And I said, I think last week or the week before that, Prove me wrong. Go in, out there and, and showcase to the world your insane skill. But I'm telling you, it's a fungazi, meaning that it's a fake. <laughs> and it was a product of the system. And that system was in Seattle. Now you're in Denver. Prove me wrong. Russell Wilson and prove me wrong, Nathaniel Hackett. So, Dominic, to answer your question, I'm going to relate to what uh, former Steeler Ryan Clark said on one of his football shows. And I think he said it spot on here. I was... I thought I wasn't a huge Russell Wilson fan, I say, until I met you. Uh, and not to say that you dislike Russell Wilson, but I think that you think he's overpraised. Um, and I do understand to a certain point what you're saying. So Ryan Clark had said, look, Russell Wilson is a great football player. He's a great quarterback, but he isn't an all-time great QB. Um, and that stirred the pot and shook a lot of heads when he said that. And like when, when I heard that, instantly, instantly, I was like, this guy just hit a home run. And I think... You know, Russell Wilson hasn't asked for, I know it's, it's a little bit, it's, it's kind of a, it's an easy way out to say Russell Wilson hasn't asked to be praised as well. He hasn't asked to be thought of as an all-time great. He hasn't asked to be considered one of the best quarterbacks of all time. It, it just is what it is. And we know how great Russell Wilson can be. And we know he's a good quarterback. I'm going uh, to stop do- and hold on for a second. If a guy is always showing up to these odd parties like the Met Gala and things like that, this guy's dying for the limelight. He's been dying for the limelight since day one. He won his Super Bowl really young and early, and that propelled him to the next level. And we've mm-hmm. had high expectations ever since. And he probably has high expectations. The reason why I'm also rough on Russell is that mm-hmm. it's the extracurricular activities outside. you seeing him on TMZ with his wife here and there. I mean, a football player focuses on his team, and granted, yes, You can be out there and having a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I see it too much, that's when it's a red flag. And I've seen it a lot with Russell Wilson. And that's why another huge reason why I believe that maybe Ryan Clark is right. Maybe he's Mm -hmm. like, this guy, he's a great football player, but is he a great quarterback? I don't think so. Yeah, and look, I mean, the, the party and stuff for sure, I understand. Like, look, there's a, everything in balance and, you know, balance in life is the key there. Uh, I just think that, you know, I saw a post earlier in the week where Russell Wilson was, was wearing his own jersey. Uh, and that, like, I read the comments on Facebook and a lot of them were saying similar to what you said. Like, he seems to be uh, attention-seeking and about himself and his group because, like, I never pictured Russell Wilson like that. He was, like, in he was... To me, always the quiet, humble leader, uh, a guy that, you know, wasn't looking for praise. And I still don't think he's necessarily looking for praise. Uh, but there has seemed to be a, been a switch over the last few seasons. Um, and I think that that picture uh, with him wearing his own Broncos uniform was, was I don't want to say a red flag there, but was kind of a little bit uh, puzzling to me. It's, uh, you know, for a guy to wear his own jerseys, it is you know, it's a little bit, uh, I guess you can say, like, we haven't really seen that uh, before. It's not something that you see often. So I guess bringing back to my point, like, yeah, Dominic, you know, I do ultimately think Russell Wilson will end up in the Hall of Fame. And maybe you say, well, that in itself is enough to consider him an all-time great quarterback. But, you know, I I just think that he um, did great for the Seattle Seahawks. He was arguably the best quarterback in Seahawks history. Um, and, you know, he did good things for them. He won that Super Bowl. He, he could have won more, right? Like, he, they had that, the, the chance to beat those Patriots, right, where they decided not to run the football. At the end of the day, look, they didn't run the f- football, but it was Russell Wilson who threw the interception, right? It's uh, Malcolm Butler makes a great play. The wide receiver for the, uh, the um, Seattle Seahawks doesn't make the play there. So, you know, you could let, blame it on a few people. But Russell Wilson did throw the game-sealing pick in that game. Um, and... 
you know, like I'm um, all this to say, Dominic, that I think I'm a little bit more of a believer in Russell Wilson than you are. But I do think to expect this team to do a complete 360 and, you know, make the Super Bowl this year is a little bit is, is asking too much, especially in the AFC, Dominic, uh, where we've seen, you know, teams get significantly better, right? Even non-playoff teams. Look, the Miami Dolphins, they go, they add Tyreek Hill, uh, which is a, a big sign. Then you've got the Las Vegas Raiders that maybe a lot of people don't uh, worry about. You go, what do they do? They go and they add Devontae Adams, the Chargers. They add Khalil Mack when their defense uh, was quite poor. So this AFC has gotten a lot of better. And to ultimately assume this team is going to be that much better than the Broncos, I think that's unrealistic. Exactly. You said it perfectly there, William. A lot of teams are building and they're becoming juggernauts. The only thing that the Denver Broncos has done really is to sign Russell Wilson. And again, adding this mountain of pressure on, on the lad. I would love to see Russell Wilson prove me wrong and me win too, a yes. Super Bowl. I would love to see it. Why not? When a guy can succeed and shows the world a lot of the doubters that like, hey, listen, I'm the real deal. You know, it's a standing ovation. Congratulations. Sure. But I'm telling you, from what I've seen, I said anything on even last week's show. I have nightmares of the Russell Wilson that I saw against the Green Bay Packers. And that game, I still can't forget it. And he threw, I think, four or five interceptions in that game. He was god-awful. As soon as you get a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson, this guy is a different quarterback. Yes, you could say that for all quarterbacks across the NFL. But you see the panic. You saw the panic last year with Kyle Murray. In, yeah. in Arizona, he's going to face the same stigma if he's unable to analyze the, the blitzes that are coming in his direction and audible his place. If he can't do that, which to me, he hasn't done it consistently enough, you could say, oh, he made it to two Super Bowls. How is that not consistent? Ah, I'm telling you, this guy is a fungazi. He's a fake. And we're going to see it this year. We're going to say to ourselves, what happened to Russell Wilson? And it will be because of the system in Denver. It doesn't mean that Denver won't be able to change their system next year. But this year, forget about it. The Denver Broncos are done. Dead last in that division. Wow. Well, strong words there from Don Demeester. We will see those Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson playing at Seattle on Monday Night Football on September 12th to open up the season. I'm ecstatic. What a way to start the new NFL uh, chapter for Russell Wilson and playing his former team in Seattle. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. NFL just around the corner. Well, actually, later tonight will be the Hall of Fame game. Enjoy that. Super excited, folks. Football is back. You were listening to CJLO 1690 AM in Montreal.